This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. It is so nice to see so many people here. Have you guys looked around and seen all the beautiful faces? Anyways, it's, it's great to see all of you. My name is Gifty. I'm a pastor here. I'm a associate pastor here at Journey Church. And I've been serving here for a couple years and have the privilege of just getting to know this community. Um, before we get into the verse, I really felt like today God has something special for all of us. And I pray that you open up your hearts to receive a little bit of what God is saying. Um, I don't like to preach from a place of I know it all. I mean, there's a lot of you who have way more wisdom and gray hair than me. And I know you have probably a lot to offer and I probably maybe don't know everything, but one thing I can say is that I like to preach from a place of revelation, from a place of conviction, a place of, man, God is doing this in my life, whether this year or last couple of months, And sometimes it's really hard to get up here and be really vulnerable. So I do love a good encouragement in the crowd. So if you feel like something resonates with you, feel free to to call back. And so in the African and black community, what we do is uh, we speak back to the preacher. You are allowed to engage with me. So I encourage you to try it out today. Um, (laughs) Yes, like Abel said. Well, it's nice to see all your faces. Um, I see some tan lines. Wow, vacation must have been really great. That's how I know our church is back, is because I see everybody here, here from vacation. Um, a couple months ago, actually, I went to go visit my fiance. He lives in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to take this two-week vacation, and I'm going to relax. Well, you know, two weeks into the vacation, um, I realized, actually, the first day I got there, this is not a vacation. This is like wedding planning and like life planning and oh my goodness. So have you ever gone on vacation and be like, oh, this is nice, I'm gonna relax. And then you have this urgent feeling all of a sudden, oh, I gotta get back to work. Okay, well, now back to it. And so sometimes your vacation doesn't end up being vacation or perhaps the time that you're resting, you need more of a rest from that, from the rest itself. Um, I have this issue where I actually struggle to relax. And somehow in my adult life, I have began to believe that, you know, I will just relax tomorrow after this is done. And I feel like I'm starting to sound like my parents. You know, they are hard workers. And I'm like, I'll relax once this is done. And I had a revelation that maybe I I have a problem. I I am the first person that I look for the shortest line at the grocery store because I'm all about efficiency. How can we get this quickly done? Or, you know, when you're driving down the lane and there's a student driver in front of you, God bless them, and you say, you know what, I'm just going to take another lane here. Or maybe you are just waiting for, you know, a delivery and you're checking your packages. Anyone else? Yeah, okay. So we all are in a culture of hurry, a culture of speed, a culture of slowing down is like, what is that after all? And so today Today, um, I have learned, as I was preparing this message, I really need to work on my, the hurriness of my life. And sometimes it becomes so normalized that even my time with Jesus becomes hurried as well. And maybe this is pathological, but just like me, you all live in this culture where it's really busy. But is this the kind of life that God has for us? 
What do we do when, with this anxious feeling of hurry that things need to happen quickly in a culture where there's consumerism that even listening to the news is now like way too long and you scroll through social media, everything is hurried. Is this what God has for us? Sometimes we even have this profound exhaustion that goes deep to our bones that no matter how many vacations you take, it doesn't go away. But what is the solution to that? We can't be still ourselves. And so this verse changed my life. It taught me something that I am still trying to figure it out. And it's John chapter 15, verse five, and it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Learning to abide in Christ, like people read this message and say, oh, that's nice. Right? Like for all of us who are like task-oriented people, like, you know, you got a list for everything, who just can't seem to unwind, and, and there's some of us who have the gift of just chill. Amen? It's very quiet in here. <laughs> but this verse changed my life, not because I knew what I was doing, but I began to identify the fact that the way that I am wired doesn't always naturally contribute to my relationship with Jesus. That this pace in my life, I, I realized that I need to slow down more and what is it like to, to not be rushing through things. But I think sometimes what happens is that if we treat our relationship with Jesus like a works mentality, we get what we put into it. And I'm not just talking about miles per hour, I'm talking about anxious, driven, frantic heart where you get up, you're running out the door, going to the next thing, to the next thing, and then we wonder why we don't have peace in our lives, and we wonder why we don't have this sense of assurance of what's happening, and we feel like, God, where are you? But we're not looking at the pace of our lives. So I, I, I walk pretty frequently because I walk my dog, but one thing I started doing is like taking my walks really serious. So I track my walks and it tells me my pace, right? So it tells me my pace for my walks. And so one thing I'm trying to do is like, you know, get super healthy. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna match my pace. And it's really interesting how, like depending on my pace and my heart rate, I can see how much I'm actually able to help myself, you know, get stronger as my walking and, and all of that. And so I began to think like, how do we measure our pace in our life with Jesus? What does that look like? Right? Like we, I am so used to seeing people just going from thing to thing, you know, and, and I think COVID has made us slow down and now we're trying to, we're being thrust back into this hurried life. And I want to urge you before you go into the fall, there's a few things I want to share with you. It reminded me of a story and I want to offer you a new perspective. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, if you have your Bibles. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be done. So if you're new to church, you don't know this story, Mary and Martha are the sisters of Lazarus, the man that Jesus raised from the dead, and this happened further in John. And so these three siblings were particularly close to Jesus in relationship, and oftentimes he would sit with them. And they lived in a town named Bethany, and this is by the Mount of Olives, if anyone really cares about that detail. But Jesus had just returned 
from the festival of shelters from Jerusalem, and now he was making his way to Bethany, and he went to go and meet them. And so here is Martha. Picture this, Martha, you know, I mean, it's really interesting that there's someone named Martha Stewart as well, who's just a homemaker. Anyways, side note. But I just imagine this image of Martha, and Jesus is coming to your house. Like, Jesus himself is coming to your house. And what does Mary do? Mary has the gift of chill, like I just said a while ago. (laughs) And here she is sitting down. And so we're going to go down to verse 41. It says, Martha, Martha, uh, sorry, um, she said to him, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sounds like a sibling. Yep. Verse 41, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and what will not be taken away from her. Okay, let's dive into a little bit more. I can understand what Martha's going through. Because sometimes in life, I feel like Martha. I feel like I want to do all the things because I want to do it right. And I want to set my place and be a good, you know, host things properly and make things available. But I realize that Martha is really teaching us a lesson here that I think people forget a lot of times. Number one, what can we learn from Martha? Comparison breeds anxiety and discontentment. Here is Martha, right? And she's saying like, okay, like roll up my sleeve. I gotta clean my house, I gotta cook, man. And there is like 15 people, this is Jesus and his entourage coming. We're not just talking about Jesus, we're talking about the entourage. We're talking about like, do I have enough food in my kitchen? Anyone who loves to host people, anyone relate with me? Can I get an amen? So you're like, you come unannounced. I mean, that's nice and all, but then now you're frantically in the kitchen trying to check your cupboards and say, do I have food? Jesus is here. She's frantically trying to cook and she's cleaning and then she looks out the side and she says, Mary, Jesus, you better tell her (laughs) to come in here. You are Jesus after all. You can make her do things. And what does he do? But in that moment, what we miss is that Martha was discontent. And what did that do? Her comparison caused her to be anxious about the preparation. It caused her to be discontented. It took away from the fact that Jesus is in your house, Martha. You're missing the main point. You're missing the main point. How many times have we all been comparing ourselves with other people in our lives? It doesn't matter if, if people's, you know, they, they're getting a work raise and you hear you are struggling looking for work or maybe you've been praying for your children and you don't see anything and you're being discontent because why? Because you're comparing yourself to somebody else. You're missing the fact that Jesus is here in your house. You are missing the fact that Jesus is available to you. Man, I have done that. Listen, I'm in my 30s, and the biggest question I used to get, I'm going to be honest, biggest question I used to get was, so why are you still single? And I was like, I don't know. Let's talk to Jesus about that. <laughs> and I would like, I love going to weddings, and I love like celebrating my friends, and I never had an issue that it happened for my friends at a different time than me. But let me tell you, had I been in a place where I was frustrated that Jesus didn't do things the way I wanted, I have learned early on that God's timing is better than mine. Because I don't want to miss what God has for me. And let me tell you, now that I got a ring on my finger, I'm very happy that I waited. (laughs) But the discontentment, that's where your anxiety comes from. It's the comparison. 
Listen, sometimes we think that the comparison, even we tell our children or we tell our spouses, well, you could be doing this or you could be, you know, whatever the issue may be. If you begin to look through the eyes of comparison, let me tell you something, it's not gonna breed anything but anxiety and discontentment. And Martha, in that moment, became bitter towards her sister. The second thing is don't hold on to offense. Okay, so here we see that Martha is like, okay, I'm kind of upset that my sister's not helping me. Any of you that are like, I feel like there's some people that I follow here on social media who are like amazing homemakers. You know, you know who you are. I'm always admiring all the cakes and all the gatherings you have of your family. It's picture perfect and it's beautiful. And sometimes I think like, is Martha like that, where she just takes pride in what she does? But poor Martha was serving dinner for all these people and she had an offense in her heart. Well, she doesn't, like, why is she just sitting, Jesus, can you tell her to get up? And Jesus was just, you know, he didn't rebuke her, which I'll get to in a second. But this discontentment not only led to anxiety and and just frustration for her, but also led to offense. Because what happens is that you're thinking that God doesn't care about what you're dealing with. Martha's in the kitchen sweating out her hair, I'm pretty sure about that. And she is stressed out. And she has offense because she feels like Jesus cares more about Mary being at the feet of Jesus. But what does that do? It causes offense. Listen, in my very short life, in leadership, one thing I have learned is, man, the, the more you serve Jesus, the more you learn to let go of offense. To re- I spent hours last week repenting for the mistakes that I have made as a young leader because I haven't figured it out. And I remember sometimes I have to just really ask God, like, Lord, where is, where, where is this coming from? And sometimes the root of that is just offense. Pastor, uh, John Bevere, and he wrote this book called The Bait of Satan. He talks about this, and he said, offense cuts you off from God. We separate ourselves from the pipeline of what he's trying to do. You see, here you are saying, I want to be in front of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus. Martha has offense in her heart in that moment, and she's human. Haven't we all had that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You guys are quiet, which tells me I'm hitting a nerve. But I myself have had to deal with that. And I remember last week, I, I had gone up for, um, there was like a youth sunny side. It's like a retreat. And so there were some things that I had just been in my heart that I didn't even realize were in a thing. And I mean, I went there to just like minister and to just be available. And I ended up getting wrecked by the Lord in the corner. I'm like, I know I came here for the kids, but wow. <laughs> and one thing that the Lord was speaking to me was like, there are some areas in your life that you don't think is offense, but it is offense. And so I began to say, God, I, I'm sorry. I repent for the offense. I didn't even realize that I was, off- it was it's beyond, off- you know, you think like, oh, I'm just, someone's offended about my opinion. That's not the same thing as like, you harbor it in your heart and you don't realize it becomes to be a blockage what God is trying to do. When God is trying to speak to you and he's trying to walk you through something, you need to examine your heart and say, God, is there things in my heart that is offense? What is the biggest thing that causes uh, discom- miscommunication in a relationship for those that are married in the room? right? It's probably because you feel like you weren't heard by your partner. You can tell I'm going through premarital counseling, right? Like you're going, you're, you, you don't feel like, but sometimes what I have, what I feel like I'm learning is like sometimes you can be offended and then you just stay there. You don't move on from there. 
and it blocks your communication. Offense is like something that is a barrier that keeps you from hearing from God. And maybe this is your first time at church, and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It is something that is available to all of us, that we're meant to be in this life where we are being a process of sanctification, we're being purified. And I think that God is at work in every story, no matter how it looks on the outside. No two stories are the same. So when you look at other people's journeys or what they're dealing with or what they're posting, in a world where consumerism is at high, offense can breed more than just discontentment. It can cut you off from being able to hear from God. And I think that Martha in that moment didn't realize what God was trying to do, what Jesus himself was trying to teach her. And the third thing that we can learn from Martha is that you can tell Jesus anything. I really appreciate Martha. I know in, in, in the story that most people hear, it's like, be like Mary. I'm like, okay, but I resonate more with Martha. Um, and in verse 40, Martha says, and she came to him and she said, Lord, don't you care? See the word she said, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha shows us that to abide in Christ is to tell Jesus everything. To abide in Christ is to tell him everything. Like, do you see how freeing that is? She went through like seven stages of like anger and grief and all this stuff, and here she is. How interesting that Jesus didn't rebuke Martha and says, how dare you interrupt my holy moment? I am Jesus. I am speaking words of importance. This is a critical time in, in, in John. It's critical because Jesus was preparing. He knew what was going to happen. So he was preparing them. This was a very critical time. Jesus could have, should have caused her to say, why are you interrupting me? I am doing something very holy and important. But he didn't rebuke her. Jesus accepts Martha where she is, and he was so gentle with her. He listened to her tirade, venting about her sister Mary, who is the problem. <laughs> but I, I just want to know that I want you all to know that, like, you too have an audience with Jesus. Like, you can go to him about the fact that maybe your spouse makes you so mad, or your children, oh my goodness, these kids, Lord, I know I prayed for them, but oh my goodness. Or maybe you are dealing with a coworker, or you're at work, and you're front, whatever it is. You too have an audience with Jesus where he doesn't rebuke you for having emotions, for having thoughts, for having feelings. It is real. And in this process, as Christians, as we navigate that, it's okay to say, God, I don't understand what's happening. This kind of is terrible, but I know I'm supposed to trust you, so here I am. That is far more valuable than being like, <clears throat> well, dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Like, you see the difference of the posture where you can be vulnerable with Jesus and that's what Mar Martha did. God doesn't get offended. <laughs> he doesn't get frustrated that you have emotions and thoughts and feelings, and you have so much you don't understand. You realize how our human brains don't have the capacity to understand the things that God is doing. In the context of eternity, it's impossible. It's impossible. But I want you to know that going back to abiding in Christ, it means you can tell him everything everything like you get on your knees and you tell him everything because you don't get what's happening it's okay like and i think sometimes people come to pastors and say oh can you pray for me and i i actually last week when i was at the camp i had prayed for this um 
kid, and I had pastored him a couple years prior at a different church, and he came up to me, and I actually was, like I said, I was in the corner just weeping before the Lord, right? Um, best part of camp, and I, I didn't know that he was like in my proximity, and so I had pastored him years ago, and I kind of, the service was kind of done, and I said, okay, you know, I, I began talking to my friends. I turned around, and he's there, and I was like, oh, hey, like, didn't expect to see him there. And so at this point, he is, I think he's about 19 now, um, and so he's no longer a senior high to be at a camp like this, but he felt like he just needed a moment. He remembered that, like, he just needed Jesus. So he came to the camp for the day just to check it out. And one thing he said to me, which, like, really, like, shocked me was that he came up to me and he was like, hey, um, it's funny to see you here. I was kind of hoping someone could pray for me. And he said, you prayed for me five years ago and it changed my life. And he said, do you think you can pray for me again? And I said, no, it's not me that has any kind of gifting that causes you to change your life. It's actually your heart and posture to tell Jesus everything. Saying, Jesus, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I'm lost, I'm confused. That is what unlocks the things with God. It's not someone who's a pastor. And I think sometimes those that grew up in the 90s know that like, it, it used to be like the person up here was most anointed. I'm telling you, we are trying to figure it out every day. And I told him, like, you can tell Jesus everything. I had to teach him in that moment how to pray and say, you need to pray to talk to Jesus. You gotta tell Jesus, I, I, I'm in this lifestyle, I don't know what to do, I'm lost. I can walk with you, I can hold your hand. But ultimately, it's your decision as you walk with Jesus, as you learn to trust him with everything. This is what the process of being a Christian is, where you go to him about stuff that is uncomfortable and hard. You know, we, we spend a lot of time in our minds where we think about everything, but we never open our mouths to say, God, I need something. The fourth thing that we can learn from Martha is that the path to peace begins with Jesus. So here is Martha going through all of this, and Martha says what she needed to say, and then this is what the Lord answered to Martha, and he said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. Jesus reminded Martha that all the things that she's anxious about and concerned about, Jesus is like, I've got this. You don't have to stress about it. Well, of course, food still needs to be on the table, so practically speaking, you know. People need to be fed at this event. But we sang a song, Jesus Over Everything. When we concentrate on Jesus, we discover that we're really never alone without help, right? Martha has shown us firsthand that despite of all these things that she was feeling in a short moment, we can learn something from her, that she was not afraid to tell Jesus how she felt, but he offered her peace. He didn't rebuke her, he offered her peace. And if you walk with anything, if you walk with anything, away with anything today, I want you to know that really abiding in Christ is not doing things for Jesus. It's not just doing stuff for God, because there are people I know who do things for God, who do things for ministry, but they don't abide in him. So John 15, 5, when it tells us that the fruit comes because we abide in him, that means that we have to be able to like let go of the things that we have done. And sometimes we're a creature of habits. We do things the same way, right? There's, there's certain people who is like, they eat the same thing every day, they do the same thing every day, and like that's safety, right? But we find safety in Jesus because when we abide in him, we are seeking his peace. And as a result, we see the fruits of the spirit, which I'll get to in a second. 
Rich Villadovas, which is a, he's a pastor, he wrote The Deeply Formed Life, he said, as long as we remain enslaved to a culture of speed, superficiality, and distraction, we will not be the people God longs for us to be. God's desire for you is to be fully known in him, to abide in him. Why is it that people who have been Christians for 40 years are still trying to figure it out? Like, our desire for Jesus is an ongoing process. And for us to slow down ourselves is very important. And I know sometimes you're like, okay, like, I, I, that's not my style. I, I resonate with you. But I know that this is something that evolves over time. I remember when, um, I don't know if you guys remember any of this, but I was, I remember when Siri came out and Apple, Steve Jobs, it was like a whole thing, right? And Siri came out, all you tech people, so I used to, I mean, I was like still university at that time, but I was like remembering when Siri came out, it was like a whole fascinating thing. So my friends and I would go to Market Mall and we would like go and like check out all the cool new devices and test out Siri. And so I remember my friends and I were like just trying to have fun. And so we were like asking um, the, the, I guess the genius bar people, I don't know what they're called, fancy Apple people anyways, about this new device that had came out. And so we were all like, of course, you know, we just wanted to like know what the ins and outs were. And I remember like particularly asking about this one feature, where can she pronounce names and can she do this and can she do that? And the guy said something that I will never forget. And, you know, he said to me that she's still learning. And I was like, what? I mean, it's an AI rob robot. Like, how is she still learning? And one thing I really learned from that moment is like, with all this technology advancement, and I see what Siri does today, and sometimes like it's a joke, like when I don't want to do something, I'm like, hey Siri, like, ask her to do something. And it's pretty cool. As of right now, it's ha Sorry. Oh. <laughs> That was not planned. <laughs> well, as you can see, Siri the robot has evolved a lot, which picks up on my voice now. But something that resonated with me was when the tech person didn't say like, we're working on making her, but he just said, she's not there yet. And for some reason, that stuck with me. And sometimes when I get in a moment where I just don't understand what God is doing, I say, God, maybe I'm just not there yet. I'm still evolving, I'm still growing. Who, I'm a mess, but thank you, Jesus, that you choose me. <laughs> but real growth takes work and intentionality. And somehow we've been bought into this lie that Christianity is once saved and everything is perfect. If anything, it is a roller coaster that you want to get off sometimes. You say, ooh, this is hard. But our faith is really a lot like serious evolution. Like all things in life, it's a process. This walk that we're on with Jesus, where we learn to abide in him, is a process. If anyone in this room has mastered abiding in Christ, please come talk to me because I want to learn from you. We are all trying to figure this out. So where do we go from here? Like how do we practically abide in Christ? And sometimes like you can be in a lot of settings where it's hyper spiritual and they just give you language but you still like, what does it look like? Very logical, very practical. What does that look like? And so I really began to kind of look back and think, okay, Lord, what, what, when, I, when I get stuck somewhere, how do, I, how do I navigate this? The first thing is to read scripture with every sunrise. Like David in the book of Psalms says that his light 
God is a, God's word is a light to his path. He says that scripture removes the fear and anxiety of walking through life. We're not meant to walk in the dark. And sometimes a lot of us can be in the dark because it's comfortable, right? Like being in our minds is comfortable, but moving beyond that and actually saying like, I'm gonna choose. And sometimes the word of God can be very complicated. I remember like when I was younger and I was really just really new with my walk with the Lord. I was like 10 and I was like, okay, today's, verse and I would just take my little bible I had and I would just flip it and I'd be like okay and it's like talking about you know Gideon and his sons getting killed I was like oh I don't know that's a word for me today but like sometimes we think it's complicated to be in the word of God it's actually not right like you start with one book and you just understand like why it was written there's so much for us in there and I think in a time where things are going there's so much happening it's so easy to forget that the word of God is what is important. The Bible gives us this outline of life. It allows us to uncover our purpose and our identity and where we're meant to go. The second thing, which I love, is to pray every day. Right? We thank God for our food every day. Like, we're taught as children, if you grew up in the church, dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Amen. Right? Our prayers evolve now to Lord, I don't know what to do about these things in my life. You start listing them. Well, there's some people who are just like unhinged and they're like, Lord, just, you know, going to God about everything. But I just realized that every influential person in the Bible lived a life positioned in prayer. Like never did any of the people that God sent out to do things ever not pray. Do you notice that? That every person in the Bible has been positioned in prayer. The act of prayer is foundational and it is transformative. It leads us to communion with God. And honestly, God meets us where we are at with prayer. And I, I do wanna say this, like the enemy does, he, his, I know sometimes when we, people don't like talking about, oh, the devil's, well, it's the enemy, what he wants to do is to c- distract you from talking to God. If he can distract you from talking to God, then he has done already what he needs to do. So when you feel distant, it's like picking up a phone call to an old friend where you've been like, I don't know, I haven't talked to you in a long time, and just saying, here I am. Prayer has impacted my life. The last six months of my life have been a little bit tough with just health stuff, and I've been trying to navigate it, and the first part of it was like, just a whirlwind of like, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do, and prayer became something that was a little bit harder than usual, and, and it felt like, well, I, I know what I'm doing. Like, I pray. I love to pray. Listen, I come from a line of people who pray, okay? When I say they pray, they pray. Like, I love praying. But I noticed in that season of my life, somehow it became harder to pray because the circumstances, I was trying to figure it out in my mind. Is this going to resolve to this? Right? I'm very, like, I'm very, like, linear in the sense, like, okay, this should lead to this. Plan A, plan B. Like, I told you, I'm a little bit like Martha. And I remember one time I was at a wedding and someone came up to me and they just said, hey, the Lord woke me up to pray for you last night. And this, I hadn't seen this person in two years. And she said to me, you know what? Like, I just feel like there is warfare. There's something happening and you need to pray. And I was like, I know I need to pray. But she's like, you should, she's like, you need to pray. I was like, okay. But in that moment, when I began to just, like Martha, just give Jesus everything, like I don't get it, I don't understand the solution, and you know, fruits of the spirit is patience, and the Lord is really, I'm learning to be more patient, and one thing I can say is that through praying, it's made me go, 
I don't understand, but Jesus, you are still Lord over my life. I went from being like, well, I'm trying to go to all these appointments and try to figure it all out to being like, yes, I have to do those things, but I also need to live a life positioned in prayer where I am anticipating that God can unlock something. He can show me something. He can, he can do something. But more than anything, he builds my faith in the inside. That doesn't just happen overnight. And sometimes we, we love the word of God, but we neglect the prayer. Our, your prayer life is the most powerful. Listen, if you are a young person in this room, tell God everything. Tell, tell, that's the best advice I can give you. Go to Jesus in prayer. Tell him everything. And see how it changes you. To those of you that have children who are worried, listen, your prayer life and how you pray, you teach your children how to, how to fight battles that are unseen, that we can't understand. And as you get older, prayer for the next generation because what is out there in this world is so frightening. Can I be honest with you why I pray even more? Listen, like if you look on social media apps recently, like anything that has to do with dark things is so, so blatant in the face. And Christine Kane said this the other day on social media. She said that like we should not take our faith lightly where we just wake up and it's just da-da-da. Like we live in a world where we have to pray and fight. To live a life positioned in prayer is the life to abide in Christ. To live a life positioned in prayer is to live abiding in Christ. So in order for us to abide in Christ, that means as a couple, pray with each other. You know, as, as friends, get together and pray together. We value prayer in this house because we have seen God move. I have heard stories of people getting healed, okay? I've heard stories of the radical things happening that logically don't make sense to my logical brain, but God wants us we want, he wants to meet us where we are, and prayer is the thing that positions us. And I want to say that if you can stay kind of like, you're not super like, you know, and sometimes we look for the emotional component. We want to be on fire for Jesus. No, just stay faithful and steady with Jesus. Stay steady with Jesus so that when things come, you're like, okay. Let me tell you something. I almost lost my voice the last couple of days. Like, I was telling my mom, I'm like, I don't know what's going on in my throat, I have to preach. So what did I do? I didn't complain, I said, I'm gonna pray because what the enemy is not gonna do is reduce my voice, right? Like sometimes things we don't understand, we get down and we pray. The third thing I, I think that we can do in abiding in Christ is to worship with your life. Your life, worship with your life. I didn't, you see I didn't say worship with your anointing, I didn't say worship with your calling, I said worship with your life. People are watching. People around us are watching how us Christians, how we respond to circumstances in life, how we conduct ourselves on social media. Can I be honest? I have friends who said that like one thing why they wouldn't come to Jesus is because of the people. That broke my heart. I'm like, okay, we're not perfect people, but like there, there is room for all of us to be in relationship with Jesus. But worshiping with your life doesn't mean just to protect what you have for yourself, but really living a life where you say like, God, I want to honor you. I want to live a lifestyle of holiness, right? God calls us to abide in him so we can bear fruit. Do you notice that the fruits of the spirit are not vengeance and like bitterness and backbiting? You know this, right? It's like gentleness, love, peace, patience, kindness. So when things happen to you with your coworkers who don't know Jesus, do you snap back at them to get revenge? Or are you like, Okay, I'm not perfect, but I'm gonna choose to respond in peace. That is hard to do. It is very hard to respond in the fruits of the Spirit. 
But when you worship with your life, you're saying, God, I, gi- I have given you my life. Like, you have made a decision that this life, I myself, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I said, Jesus, this life that I live belongs to you. Which means that there's gonna be a lot of things I don't understand, and maybe the inconveniences, because I can't really plan my life when God is like, okay, detour, right? But God knows what he's doing. So worship with your life that it would bear fruit. Worship with your life so that your children can see what it's like to really be Christian. Sending your kids to a Christian school is great, but guess they'll, they'll learn way more inside your home of how you speak to your spouse and how you speak about others, how you pray for healing, how you explain things to them, worship with your life. If you are single, honor God in that, right? If you're a person that isn't a really, honor God in everything that you do, worship with your life. If your life was on display, would you feel that you have to hide certain things? But when we say we want abiding in Christ, that also means I wanna worship him with my life. And the last thing is a little bit challenging. As uh, as associate pastor, I run the small groups department, so hear it with a grain of salt. (laughs) I'm very biased in this. Last thing is cultivate a life-giving community. Notice I didn't say just join a small group. I didn't say just join a small group. I said you can cultivate a life-giving community. Both in nature and scripture attest to this fact that we are created for community. I can say this time and time again, but I have seen many Christians not be under leadership, not be under a church, not serve under anything, not be part of community, and then I'm, I'm not surprised when they say, I'm walking away from my faith. Your faith is not meant to be lived up by yourself because you could do all those things and not be in community. So when I say cultivate a life-giving community, that means you contribute to the solution and not the problem. So when you're part of a small group, trust me, it can be awkward and hard because you're like, okay, I'm getting to know these people. I don't want to be vulnerable. Probably a lot of things going through your mind, right? But even the disciples walked with Jesus for three years and still had questions. Who are we that we can navigate this life over here in the corner by ourselves? We are called to be in community, but to cultivate life-giving community is a whole different ballgame. That takes intentionality say, okay, here are the things that we're gonna really do. And sometimes you have to do that. I remember when I first came here to Journey, it was kind of intimidating because I'm very new and I thought that like, I don't know, my mind, like everybody else, I come to church, everyone says hi to you, and it's just super easy like that. But something switched in my mind. I was like, if I'm a pastor, not a pastor, if I want life-giving community, I need to take the first step forward to be in community with others, to be vulnerable, to be honest and say, I desire this, so God help me. So in John, in John 15, five, when it says that he's telling us like to abide in him because it bears fruit in all these verses, cultivating life-giving community, you get to be part of that solution for yourself. It changes everything. I know there's people in this room who have marriages probably that are like just needing some voices Go find an older couple that you can just walk with. I love sitting across from people who are older, who have more experience than me, to ask questions. But if I don't start the desire to be in life-giving community, I can't learn anything. There are people who their children have gone through so much and got, you know, praise the Lord that they are where they're at today. Tell them to find the younger kids in the church who need direction. 
We get to contribute to life-giving community. Abiding in Christ is not just for ourselves, but as a secondary act, it's, it's outwardly towards others around us. So as you participate in this soul gardening task that I've just given you, and these small steps of daily obedience, what would your hurried life look like if you were to implement at least one of these things to change how you see things? One thing. Because I can guarantee you that as I was preparing this sermon, I know for myself there's a lot of work I have to do. But I'm thankful for his grace every day. So church, I want you to know that Jesus is calling you to rethink how you live your life. Your pace of your life, the speed of your life, and what are the things that you are doing today that's causing you to just at least learn to go to him. So how can you unhurry your life today? Rushing your soul can cause you distress and anxiety and discontentment. One thing that I've been trying to work on is really protecting my Sabbath and like really resting and taking time to be with Jesus. But I can't get up here on stage if the way I got ready this morning was frantic, if the way that I was running around, what is there left for me to give? If I've, used all, if, if I've exerted all my energy in the things that don't matter, if every day of our lives we're more intentional to say, Jesus, I'm just going to take a moment to just talk to you about everything. And maybe you're not a talker. I know men in the room, women, we talk a lot more than you. But there's still room for every single person here to find ways to talk to Jesus. Like there's beauty in that. So right now, what, what is the ways that, that maybe you can rethink the way that you are living your life that can abide in Christ? because you'll be dealing with this until eternity. You'll be trying to figure it out forever. So I wanna just close your eyes and just, let's just take a moment to just pray, to just think about this. One thing I started doing was dedicating just like the first part of my month to, to Jesus. Just saying, God, I just wanna sit with you and talk with you and give you what I have. Giving him my time, my patience, slowing down from the busyness of everything. But I know there's people in this room who have children, who are young and who just need things from you, and you're just like, how do I do that? Or maybe you have a very busy work life and your home life is hectic. What are ways you can cultivate those moments? Think, ask those questions to yourself right now. Where are ways you can just abide in Jesus, abide in Him? So if you've been here and you've been listening to this message and you're really thinking like, what, what is she talking about? I want us to just all close our eyes just for the sake of just having a little bit of safety for those that just might wanna respond to this call. There is an invitation for you today that you can say, Jesus, I need you in my life because I've tried everything by myself and it's not borne any fruit. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, and you're saying, I need this Jesus in my life. I wanna invite you into this relationship that's changed my life forever. So if you want a show of hands, I just wanna pray for you today. Thank you, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah. Can we just all just join me in prayer? Say, dear Jesus, I turn from my sin 
I invite you into my life, into my heart. Transform me, change me, make me brand new. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Now this second call is for those that have been Christians all your life. I felt such a strong sense of the Holy Spirit saying, we must change the way that we live our lives. Because we're talking about bearing fruit. Maybe you came here for a message saying, oh, it's a summer message, it's gonna be nice. No, there is, I don't want you to leave out of this place feeling like you're gonna go out there and do the same thing tomorrow. There has to be transformation in all of us, in every one of us. So if there's an opportunity for you today to say, maybe I need to lay things down to Jesus. I gotta give him things that I'm carrying. I don't know what it's like to talk to him. Or maybe you're saying, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. If you wanna just, like show of hands, I just wanna pray for each of you in this room right now. Yeah, just lift up your hands, let's pray, amen. So Jesus, I just pray for every single person in this room that they need to give things to you. Jesus, teach them what it looks like to abide in you. God, I pray right now for supernatural peace over every single person in this place. Supernatural peace. Your word tells us that peace is freely given unto us. So God, I just pray peace over people's finances, over their health, over their friendships, over their relationships, over their children, and whatever else they're concerned about. But Jesus, we ask you today that you would allow us to abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to call up the prayer team. Just a few people can come and just make themselves available as we just, let's go into this song. If we want to stand, we're going to just sing one song in closing. And we're going to have the prayer team just available, just a few people just to come. So if you do need someone to just walk with you and pray with you, that our team is going to be available to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.